Thank you. Well, it's a privilege. Uh, you know, you see your grandkids excel. Chloe, turn around, baby. I watch, I thought, well, there's Chloe. That's a granddaughter. It's Tim and Kelly's daughter. And we're so proud of her. We're proud of another granddaughter. And that, uh, of course, well, all of them, but uh, had to be uh, Sydney. Uh, Sydney went to camp. And uh, Sydney's, uh, what, 10 years old? Is that correct? Sydney's 10. Is that correct? So, yes, sir, she said. Stand up over there, Sydney. I want to see you. She went to camp. There she is, right there. She went to camp last week and got a call. They said, she said, what? I said, what happened, baby? She got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I went to the camp director. I was down at Masterpiece Gardens, down at Masterpiece Gardens on Thursday night. There were 450 campers from around the state of Florida. And on Wednesday night, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit there, and wow, it was unbelievable. And I asked the camp director, what about my granddaughter? Said she got filled with the Holy Spirit. Said not only did she get filled with the Holy Spirit, but she said, Pastor Blackburn, they were praying in the altars at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, still there seeking God. And she said, I saw your little granddaughter just going from person to person to person, praying over them, asking God's anointing. I said, I finally got me an evangelist in the family. <laughs> it's unbelievable, unbelievable. Aren't you? You're proud of your kids, but buddy, your, your grandkids. And then Annalise, uh, Wayne and Lori's daughter, is, uh, Annalise is back there. Uh, today she played in a tournament yesterday. She's a golfer, been playing golf two uh, years now. She just turned 14 a couple weeks ago. And uh, she beat the reigning champion for two years at the uh, Junior Citrus Golf Tournament out at Cleveland Heights and uh, went into a sudden death playoff on five holes. She had to sink a 35-foot uh, putt. 35 foot is a long way, especially if you got a golf club in your hand. But she sunk it and won the tournament. So, wow, trophies about that high. We're proud of her. Proud of them. Proud of what God has done. Those are favors. Many, how many could share your own grandkids story? May I see your hand? Maybe one Sunday night we'll just do that. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Giving God the praise for that. Stay committed. Stay committed. In Armenia in 1988, Samuel and Daniela sent their young son off to school. His name was Arman. Samuel, his dad, always would kneel down in front of Arman and say, Remember, Arman, have a good day at school. And remember, no matter what, I'll always be there for you. You can see the pictures of the earthquake and the damage of that earthquake in 1988. And of course, hundreds and hundreds of lives were destroyed. That was some of the pictures that are there. Several hours after Armand had gone to school and his dad Samuel, they received, of course, a notice in the radio hit, etc., 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 that a major earthquake had hit. They felt it. And that there were hundreds and hundreds of people, and especially in the area where Armand went to school. Samuel, of course, called, couldn't get, no, couldn't get an answer, and decided and ran down to the school several, several blocks away. When he got there, he wept because of what he saw. It was an unbelievable sight. 
he figured out where Amon's classroom might be. And he figured out where that was, and he began to dig. Took one beam and pushed it aside, another rock and pushed it aside. There were those other parents that were standing out there. One screamed, don't do that, it's already unstable. Why don't you get back? And Samuel would not give up. He remembered the promise he made to Armon, his son. And that is, I'll always be there for you. He continued to pick away. Finally, a policeman came and said, Sir, you've just got to stop. You've been picking now for six hours. Parent after parent had left. And you need to stop. And Samuel said, No stopping here. My son's under there somewhere, and I'm going to find him. He asked the police officer, Sir, would you help me? The police officer said, I can't. He walked away. Samuel picked all that night and all the next day, late into the late afternoon. He pulled one beam back, finally got to it. He heard a faint voice. He heard a faint voice that said, help. He screamed out the name of Armand, his son, and he heard a faint voice say, Papa, Papa, we're here. He peeled back more stones and more rocks. He finally was able to have a clear communication with Armand. He could look down through the rubbish and he could see his son. He said, son, come on out. Armand said, dad, let the others come out first. I know you'll come and get me. One by one, 14 children peeled out of the space that they were huddled in. Finally, Armand came out. He hugged Samuel, dad, I knew that you would not forsake. I knew you would come and find me. He put his arms around him. He said, I told the other kids, you don't have to worry. My daddy will come and get us. What a moving story. And it is a true story that 14 people survived in that rubbish because of one man's commitment to his son. We understand God's commitment to us, don't we? God's commitment of faithfulness. God's commitment when you come to church, when it would be easier, of course, to stay home and, and say, I, I just, the weather's just too bad, and that, I understand that. But you came to church, and God has a reward. But here's what the Bible says, Lamentations 3, 22. Because of the Lord's great love, because of His great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, I say to myself. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. The faithfulness of one little boy, the faithfulness of one man to his son created a life-saving circumstance. Faithfulness is a verb. It means it's something that we must do. God calls upon us to do it. It is a state with which we must remain. It is a, a, a sense of commitment that we commit over and over and over a word. There are two Greek words for faith, of course, and faithfulness. Pistis is one, to be assured. Patho is the other. It means to persuade, to trust, and to be confident. We have faith in God. We're supposed to trust Him. But would you know that God has faith in us? And I'm going to prove it in this text tonight. Think about the faith that God has in you. 
Think about the faith that God gives you as parents when He gives you kids and said, I trust you with this life. I trust you with this life as a parent to raise that child in the fear and the admonition of who I am. I trust you. I call it the entrustment. And I use the parable that Jesus used in Matthew 25, verse number 14. He said again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. It's that parable that Jesus used in teaching to get their attention, those that were listening. He had been teaching about the signs of end times for all the ages. He'd been teaching about the uncertainty no man knows when his return will take place. He'd been teaching them to reach people and express the love of God to them. He talked about the consequences of missing the rapture of the church. And then he shifts into this parable. It is the parable of the man who gave to his servants a portion of his property to keep and to care for. It's the issue of faithfulness. And what is the trust of God that we have? I mentioned children and grandchildren. It is, it is life. God said, I've given you life. Make it count. It's our body. He said, I give you a vessel. Be sure that it is housed by, and the Spirit of God is housed there. He's given us opportunity. Oh, it wasn't luck or happenstance that you got where you were. It's an opportunity God gifted you. He's given us prosperity. You're going to be like a tree planted by streams of water, yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not, does not wither. He's given you family family took him outside and said look up to the heavens and count the stars if indeed you can count them then he said to him so shall your offspring be he's given us talents and gifts every single one of us abilities paul writes in first corinthians 12 verse number one now about spiritual gifts brothers i don't want you to be ignorant there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit what we sometimes forget that everything belongs to the Lord. Everything. Psalms 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it belong to God. Say this with me, I belong to Jesus. Let's say it, I belong to Jesus. I belong to God. Your life is not your own. God had a designated plan. And in order for that plan to work so that God receives the honor and glory is this, it will take your commitment of faithfulness. In other words, you don't give up territory that, the, that you've already taken from the enemy and just gift it back to the enemy. You don't give up territory that God has given you victory over and then mistreated or mishandle it. You hang on to it and say, to God be the glory. Our faith is a gift from God. To every man has been given a measure of supernatural ingenuity and ability, a measure of great faith. Sometimes we forget the magnitude of that trust that we have that God has given us. Whatever we possess as a steward, it involves a trust covenant between us and God. You could think of people right now that have misused and abused 
the trust God has given them. For example, salvation and redemption. Think of the people that you know that God has extended his hand to them through the power of redemption and they have rejected it. Think of the number of people that you know that think they have a mighty empire instead of giving God the praise and the glory for what God has gifted them with. Think of the number of people that abuse and misuse the name of God and never give him thanks as it relates to true life and the reality is they're abusing the trust that God has given them. It is a covenant of trust. You see, God is faithful and he gives us that opportunity. And then here's what he says. He says to us, I want you to prove your faithfulness. I want you to prove your faithfulness. I've given you all kinds of things, talents and ability of giving you life. I've given you health, I've given you children, given you a family, given you a good job. I've healed your body. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to prove your faithfulness. I don't want you just to say as the, as the master gave each one of them a portion of his estate and say, here it is. Here it is. What I want you to do is hang on to it. I call it the attitude. It is the attitude. Matthew 25, verse number eight. How many remember at Christmas ever? Any of you out there that you gave somebody a gift at Christmas or they opened it around the tree and, and there was no response and they acted like that, wow, they really didn't like the gift? You ever had a family member do that just a, or an office person say, man, I thought they'd just be just knocked out of the ballpark with that. Act like they don't like it at all. Hello? Well, here's what God does. God says, I've given you a precious a precious gift. It's called faith. I want to see how you function, and I want to see how your attitude is. Matthew 25. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, hid his master's money. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting wherever you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The other two did not do that. But this one hid the talent and did not develop it. He had an attitude of fear. My friend, don't ever get so spiritually minded that your shoes don't hit the ground and start grinding out a life of commitment and faithfulness to God. Amen? Don't ever do that. I'm reminded of the lady or young woman who brought her from her university, her, her fiancé, brought him home for dinner for mom and dad to meet, of course. He was in a great, great seminary, and she said, Mom and Dad, this is Alfred. He's in, you know, the top of his class in seminary, and I want you to meet him. He is my fiancé. They had dinner, and the mother said, you know, honey, maybe you ought to take the fiancé, Alfred, into the sitting room there and find out who he is and what he does. He said, son, how are you doing? Took him in there. He said, so uh, you're, you're, uh, you're in seminary. He said, what is it that you study? He said, the Bible, sir. I am an astute Bible scholar. Well, that's good. He said, let me get real practical for you, son. He said, how do you intend to support my daughter? How do you intend to provide a house or some surroundings that, that reflect how she was raised now? He said, sir, 
I am a Bible scholar. I pray and God will provide. He said, oh, okay. He said, how about children? Should you have children? How are you gonna, how are you gonna pay the bills and care for her? He said, sir, I reiterate, I am a Bible scholar and God will provide. The man, of course, figured I don't need to ask him any more questions. It was over. They left. The wife said, how did it go when the interview, what, what happened? He says, well, here it is. I found out that he is a Bible scholar. He has no job. He has no plans. He has no expression of vision for his future. But here's the good news. He thinks that I'm God. He thinks I'm going to support him as a Bible scholar. You know, sometimes we think as individual believers that because God doesn't strike us with lightning when we have not been faithful with the gifts or talents and ability, that it's okay with God. But can I tell you, the greatest, loudest sound you will ever hear is silence. When nothing is said, any of you men know what that's like? Hello, in marriage, what's wrong, darling? Nothing. Everything okay? Is there anything you want to tell me? If I said anything that hurts you or offended you, I am sorry. And she gets redder. But she doesn't want you to say, if you offended her. She wants you to know you did. And let me tell you something. Don't even try. Once you go to bed, if you happen to sleep in the same room, in the same bed, sir, don't even try to slide your foot over and touch her foot. Because until she's talking, she will move that foot right over. You're going to need a miracle to have your leg stretched to ever find her foot in that bed. It's absolute silence. What's God say? If God doesn't say anything, and we are not as faithful as we should be, don't think for a minute that he approves. We are committed to be faithful to God. What was the attitude of the unfaithful servant? It was one of great fear and unfaithfulness. It was one of faithlessness. You see, you cannot be faithful if you don't exercise faith. His security was in that gift. He tried to protect it. What happens if a water reservoir doesn't have an outlet? It will stagnate and the water will get sour. He failed to see trust of the landlord. He, he was lazy. He was selfish. He was motivated by fear. Why? Because he did not exercise the faith that he had. He was given territory to the enemy of his soul by producing absolutely nothing. Someone has said, don't be afraid to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. So as, as faithful people, we are to be active in functioning in ministry, active in function and winning one more soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. God makes us opportunities. And he says, but I want you to hunt them down. This failed servant failed to grasp the magnitude of the privilege that was given to him. He was like a child that mom and dad had given an opportunity to prove their maturity. Mom and dad had given an opportunity for them to prove their ability to have right behavior. And the master left and said, here it is. 
And as a parent would leave after saying, I trust you, leaving you home for the first time today, I expect you guys to behave. Or giving the car to your teenager for the very first time and saying, I expect you to take care of the vehicle. Don't get out there and spin the tires and burn rubber. Don't do that. It's the first time. And if mom and dad were to come home and the house a mess, torn to smithereens or happen to see the car doing, doing circle eights in some parking lot somewhere burning rubber, that would suggest to that parent, hey, you're not mature enough to manage the privilege that I just gave you. And God says, I will give you privileges. I'll give you opportunities that will knock at your door in your life on a day-to-day basis. You may not see your job as an opportunity that God has gifted you. You may not see your house as an opportunity that God has given you. You may not see your friends as opportunities and blessings that God has given you. You look at the blessings and the talents in this room today. I had a friend of mine, we were flying home the other day, and we were on his jet. We're up, I don't know, 40,000 feet up, etc. His daughter was in the plane with us, just the three of us. And I was, I was talking with her about her musical abilities. I said, so where do you get your musical abilities from? She, she has uh, produced two or three CDs, etc. She said, I guess I get them from my dad. I said, your dad? Yeah. He's an accomplished musician, plays the piano, plays the guitar and numerous other instruments, and he can sing too. In all these years that I've known him, I never knew that. I thought to myself, how many people do not manifest their talent so that God can use it and receive the honor and the glory? And how do you do that? Just by honoring God every single day. The old farmer hired a young farmhand. He gave him the interview. He said, son, what gives you the qualification that I think you can do the job as my single farmhand here on my my ranch? He said, sir, I can sleep when the wind is blowing. The farmer thought, I can sleep when the wind is blowing. Where in the world did he come from? The reality is he liked him, so he hired him. About three or four months later, a violent storm came up. The farmhouse was shaking, and the farmer got up with his wife. They began to look to be sure everything was secure, and sure enough, There were logs in the fireplace. The shutters had been properly pushed back and attached properly on the farmhouse. He went into the room of the young hireling that he had hired, and he was sound asleep, no problem. The farmer said to his wife, we need to make it out to the barn and check out there. He ran out there, and the barn door had been locked. All the tools had been properly placed where they were supposed to be. All the farm equipment was lined up perfectly. Even the cattle in the, in the barn were calm as they could be. And then it dawned on the farmer, now I understand. He can sleep during the storm because during the daylight hours, he's being faithful to discharge his duties that should be done when the sun is shining so that when the storm comes, he doesn't have to worry as to whether or not he's doing his job. Listen, friend, there is a storm brewing. 
And it's called the rapture of the church. And it's going to come. And I pray that it will not catch us without having everything prepared in its rightful place with the abilities that God has given to us to be able to live by. Paul says, now it is required that those who have been given a trust, they must prove faithful. Number three, it is this, the expectations. What does God expect? I think one of my characteristics as a pastor and as a minister has been just show up and be faithful. Don't quit too soon. Don't get agitated too soon. Don't let anybody drive you away from the purpose. Don't let the influence of others who may quit cause you. Keep that chin tight and just stay committed. There are, of course, expectations for everyone who has will be given more. Every person that's received a gift will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. God says, I've given you blessing, and I've given you opportunity to produce and reproduce those blessings. Does everybody know who knows you? Know that you're a committed follower of Jesus Christ? Or have you hid that light? Does everybody that knows you, that you work with, know that there are just some things they don't do? They don't use foul language. They don't drink. They don't curse. They don't get carried away with that. They live a holy life. Do they all know that? Or do they have to guess? Why? Why should you let your light shine? Because that is a gift that God has, in fact, given to you. How did he deal with the non-productive servant? And this is really hard for some people to believe. I don't know that I love a God like that. Listen, we're in the grace period right now, but there is a God when that line is drawn, he will become a God of judgment. And he will not play around. Even in the rapture of the church, even in the rapture of the church, when we hit the tribulation period, the tribulation period, I believe, of course, will take place after the rapture of the church. But in the tribulation period, the first three and a half years of the tribulation period, it'll be like peace, antichrist power will rise, and people will look to one person, that's the antichrist, to see him resolve all the problems of the world, and there'll be a smattering of judgments that will take place. But in that last three and a half years, it's Katie bar the door. I mean, the ocean is going to turn to blood. The rivers is going to happen. Hell is going to fall. So many things. Why? God says, listen, I want to give people an opportunity, even then, to try to make things right with God. You see, this thing that I'm talking about in church and being committed to church is not something that we should look at casually. The non-productive servant, here's what God did. The servant, he called him lazy. He called him wicked. He said, you lost my money. He said, you are worthless. He said, you need to be thrown out into the outer darkness. And Matthew 25, 30 says, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So you get to be your own judge as to your faithfulness. Why? Because he was not faithful 
What happened to those that were faithful? What happened to the young farmhand who during his work every single day did a little bit more to make the farmer and his wife more secure? You see, they produced according to their level of gifting. They displayed their faithfulness through hard work. They didn't get lazy and well-doing. They were creative with their talents. Boy, I've got two talents. I've got five talents. I, 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 can make, I can make hay while the sun is shining. They were noted for their faithfulness, and they were blessed because of their efforts. And here's what they heard. And it's the same thing every believer is going to hear on the day of judgment. Master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. This is a beginner series. I will put you in charge now of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You see, the expectations of God are simple. So here's what I know. If you ever get really weary in grinding through this Christian experience, if you ever sometimes get depressed and say, why should I go? Or why do we get in choir? Why should we show up for worship? Why should we witness? Why do we pay? And all of those things, all those questions come right out of the bosom of hell. But when God gives you an opportunity, we don't look at it as a curse. We look at it as a blessing. You trust me with this privilege? You trust me with this house? You trust me with these children, with these grandchildren? You trust me with this job? You trust me with these friends? When you begin to look at it that way, you will be productive and God will say, well done. And what is it? He gives us blessing and opportunities. He gives us His promise. He said, if we don't turn to the right or to the left, He said, you'll be successful wherever it is that you go. He gives His plan to give us guidance every day. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commands. He will protect us in our efforts. In our efforts. 2 Thessalonians 3. But the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. As we demonstrate that faithfulness and we exalt that faithfulness before the Lord, God will be pleased. When called upon, we don't run and hide. If someone asks you to pray, you pray. You say, well, I'm, I'm just not the type to pray. Well, become the type to pray. Because here's what I know. The Bible says if you're ever called upon, when you take the step of faith, that God will give you enough wisdom and energy to be able to do a good job if you take the step of faith. Why? He said, I've given you an opportunity. How wonderful is that? Lori, when she said Annalise won her tournament today and she'd be interviewed by the news media, Lori hadn't had a chance to run up and hug her. I think the ledger reporter was there, and Lori ran up there and said, Sir, would you just hold the interview and turn it off right now? That's my Lori. I haven't had a chance to hug my daughter yet. And if you'll just give me a few minutes, I want to hug on her. I want to let her know how proud I am. She began to pray, and I guess someone, as I understand, walked up and said, Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. 
Or he said, you can join our prayer. You know, and we just pray because God, we're giving you things. Can I tell you something you might ought to try sometime? It's when you have a server come up to your table and you're getting ready to pray. Why don't you just ask the server, hey, would you just, would you just join us in a little prayer? We're going to pray over the food. And is there anything that, that maybe we can pray for you about? You just brought into that server's life an element of supernatural power that they are not used to. Somebody say amen. A faith that is, hasn't been tested can't be trusted. Faith that's not tested can't be trusted. There was an American tourist traveling in Southeast Asia. Looked out. And there was a picture that she wanted to take of an old man who had his hand on an old wooden plow. And in front of the wooden plow was not an oxen, oxen but it was the man's son. The son was harnessed to the plow with all of his might. He was pulling and they were tilling the soil. The tourist was so impressed, she took several pictures and went into the next little village and was talking to the local American missionary. And she said, I saw a sight that just broke me into tears. I saw a sight that is the nth of poverty of anything I've ever seen. The missionary said, what did you see? She said, I saw an older man plowing behind an old wooden plow. And his son was the one pulling the plow. The missionary smiled and said, oh, that's one of our best families at church. They were the first believers that I reached when we got here. They are faithful as faithful can be. She said, well, why hasn't seemingly God blessed them? That's that American mentality. He said, oh, he has. He said, you see the little building we're trying to build so we can worship in? They were the first. They don't have any money. But they were the first to step forward. They had one asset, and it was their one oxen. And what did they do? They brought the oxen to me and said, here, we're given this oxen since we don't have any money. And here's what will happen. The elderly gentleman said, my son will pull the plow, and we'll give our oxen as an act of faith into God. May I tell you, the Bible says, Matthew 21, 43, Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. So here we are on this beautiful, damp Sunday night. Can we take the Word of God in our hearts and say, God, how do I make it applicable to my life and to the life of our family? Can it change my prayer of thanks tonight when our family gathers around to pray? Can we thank you, God, and can we find a way to be more committed and more faithful than we've ever been so that you receive honor and you receive glory? For we know that when you do that, greater favor and blessings come our way so we can exalt God more. Amen? Would you give the Lord a clap offering? join me together would you stand heavenly father we stand to our feet tonight healthy blessed beyond imagination 
We thank you because we believe that you have endowed us with special abilities. You have given us the ability to be able to enjoy life and blessed us far more than we deserve. And we know there are problems all along the way. And Lord, we're thankful that we don't load up on a bunch of excuses. We don't have a tablet full of excuses. God, we're grateful that we don't load up on a bunch of negative conversation and negative talking. Out of our lips flow praise and worship. And Father, we look around our house and we look at our family. We look at our jobs and we look at our privileges. And we know that we need to thank you. And that no matter what happens, you are in control of our destiny. If we're on a job, Father, that we don't like, we need to get happy. Because you have the ability to move us at your will. Because I'm trusting you, Father. So I don't need to complain. I just need to stick it out and watch what opportunities you send my way. And when an opportunity comes my way and I, I begin to seek other opportunities, I'm believing you'll give me wisdom as to know what to do. So God, I pray that you would touch every person here, every person listening online. And there are many. God, that we would honor you and not allow the enemy to take from us that which we've already earned in the presence of God. You might be here tonight and your heart may not be right with Jesus. You might be listening online. You say, man, I, I've been some kind of bad soldier. I haven't been faithful. I've taken God for granted. I've taken his gifts for granted. Why, just last week, I was, I was talking about how bad I've got and all the things I don't have. God, I pray right now we arrest that spirit and we can get forgiveness. So just in case, would you repeat this prayer with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I confess I have sinned and I need deliverance and I need a Savior. Father God, you heard every word. You have seen every action and I seek forgiveness. Tonight, I stand before you hearing the Word of God that I will be a doer of the Word of God. Use my life, use my family, use my skill set, use that which you've gifted me that I might multiply it and use it for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, God answers prayer, amen? He answers prayer by the grace of God. I got a text from Gary Brown. Mern and Gary attended worship here for a number of years, and they moved over to the celebration area. But Myrna, of course, has had a brain tumor. And boy, it just was so devastating, would be to anyone. If you've had family members or know of individuals who've ever experienced it, it took them by shock and surprise. Her speech began to go. Her ability to be agile began to go. Well, what do we do? I get texts from Gary. Pastor, we're hanging on. I called him up. He said, let me get Myrna so she can hear. Myrna and I used to jab at one another because she's an Oregon Duck fan. And of course, we're down here in the Seminole Gator territory. And I would say, it's amazing, Myrna. Why in the world are you hanging on to a bunch of ducks is beyond me. And she'd come right back because she's kind of a feisty woman like some of you ladies are. But to talk to her... It didn't appear I was speaking to the same person. He said, we're going into surgery. They're a bit nervous of what they're going to find. I got a text. 
yesterday. Several before then, pastor, it's unbelievable. They got 98% of the tumor and they put little wafers in to knock out the other 2%. They've just taken Myrna out of the ICU and put her in a room that she has a lakefront view. And he says, she's getting better doing therapy and it is a miracle of God. My friend, that's God. It's a miracle of God. We rejoice and we declare that God is God and we give him favor. If you need prayer while we sing this song, you slip out where you are or you need to pray for somebody, you come on down and then I'll give the benediction in just a moment. Would you do that? Let's obey the Lord, shall we? Here we go.